0: Good morning and welcome to worship this morning. You know, I think we all wonder what it will be like on a day that we can walk and talk with Jesus. What a day that will be. I've been asked to read Psalms 111 as we open up our worship service this morning. And I thank you, Marcia, for that song. I think we need to be reminded as we come into a worship experience like this, a chance to sit down in a... a as a congregation, and to open the word before us that it is a chance that we have as a group to sit in the presence of Jesus, to sit in God's presence, to be taught from his word and through his spirit. So I thank you for that time of singing that we had just a moment ago. Psalms 111. Realizing that as, as David writes these, these psalms, it is an expression of his, of his love, and it's an expression of praise and honor to God, it's an expression of his heart. And I think we realize that, but uh, I think it's also important to realize that this is inspired. And so it isn't just David's response, it's not just a, an emotion that he has in his heart. This is, these are God's words as they come to us today. We'll simply read through this and offer some comments as we go. It says, praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. And I'll just stop there. There's a whole section here that goes together in a minute. But recognizing that that's what we are doing today, um, a lot of times when we think of of praise and of course we I think we had a, a good sermon on that last weekend. We think of it in the sense of verbal expressions or, or singing or some sort of a, a noise or a physical manifestation that we, that we would do and we offer praise to God. But any praise that is real in our hearts I think we recognize that it, that it, is, it is more a function of of an internal response. It isn't necessarily something that is on the outside. Certainly, it comes out. I mean, if we care about someone and we love someone, we'll show that in some regard. But he starts off simply recognizing the fact that he is expressing this with his whole heart. And um, recently, uh, that has been something that's been on my heart. Uh, Just the the, uh, simple expression of wanting to follow God with all of my heart, soul, and mind, and wondering what that looks like. How is it that I can follow God? with all of my heart." But he says here that he's praising God in a group. And so that's what we are doing this morning. It's a chance for us to come together. And I hope in your hearts that you can do that, that you come here seeking God, that you feel his presence in our midst, that we are here. The next number of verses talks about the works of the Lord, and it lists a number of different works and attributes of it. Starting in verse two, it says, "'The works of the Lord are great, ...sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will be ever mindful of his covenant. He hath shewed his people the power of his works, that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands our verity and judgment. All of his commandments are sure, they stand fast forever, and are done in truth and uprightness. The idea of his works stood out to me, and, and um, when I think of the works of, of God, I first of all go to creation, just simply the things that we see around us, the patterns of life, and of course we're seeing fall, and, and its colors, or, or the fading of fall and winter coming. But that's not exactly what he, he talks about here. He's talking about the, the works in our hearts. He's talking about the, the attributes of God. And as our Sunday school class, I assume the other adults were studying the same, talked about the work of God and his resurrection and the power over death and the hope that that gives us. And the fact that this life is not a life that ends at death. It is a life that goes on and he has the power over life and death. And so his judgments or his, his life uh, uh, gives us life. In verse 7, it says the works of his hands are, are verity and judgment, or you could just simply say faithfulness and truth. Those works are, are something that I think we need to rely on, I need to rely on, recognizing that I can make a lot of judgments and calls and, and uh, um, be rather cynical sometimes in life and, and think I understand things. But to recognize that if I want to know what is really true and what's true judgment, and truth on a matter, there's only one source of that, and that is through God and by His Holy Spirit in our lives and through His Word. He finishes off this psalm and simply says, He sent redemption unto His people. He hath commanded His covenant forever. Holy and reverend is His name. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. Two things out of that. Uh, one thing that um, is simply saying, doing his commandments. Um, too many times I, I want to intellectualize things and make them just about my head and, and never about what I do. Um, but he says we need to do things. And so what is it that I need to do in following his commandments? And, and finally it finished up by saying, His praise endureth forever. It he doesn't need my my praise. His praise is always going to be here. The creation will praise him. The the heavenly host will praise him. His praise is something that is not dependent upon my words or my actions, but he does expect a response from me in praise to him. Are there any prayer requests this morning before we go to prayer? And I'll simply ask Tom if he would lead us in prayer. Any prayer requests? Remember to pray for France and the tensions that are there. for the uh, Haitian truck as it leaves Miami this coming Tuesday and and all the things that needs to go on there. Cheyenne Moeller, okay, for her health concerns there and a a meeting this week with the doctors. It was beth. beth yeah beth and and just her health concerns and a
1: lot of prayer.
0: okay. prayers for chase levy chase and ashley, mm-hmm. chase and ashley. okay any others So just a reminder for uh, Jonathan Kahn called for a day of prayer for today to put to, uh, how'd you say that? Put Put God first? Yeah. Okay. Let's go to prayer.
2: So how many times this week have you really got away, sat down, and been silent and just let the Lord speak to your heart? Thank you. You know, I think sometimes we are so consumed we don't have time or take time to let the Lord speak to us. I'd like to uh, welcome everyone here to worship this morning. What a wonderful morning to be able to come together collectively and praise His name. I welcome all of you who are visitors, all of you who come Sunday after Sunday, just all the saints together to praise the Lord. I just thought about the first verse here that Brother Zach read to us praise the Lord, praising Him with our whole heart and the privilege to come together and praise Him. I would like for us to uh, think about that just a little. Yeah, I don't know whether you uh, in your silent times think about the privilege of all of our lives that we've had of coming together to praise the Lord, but I... Somehow I think that probably isn't going to continue too long. Praise the Lord in the congregation. Well, welcome to worship this morning. My mind was drawn to a letter that a man wrote probably some 2000 years ago, a letter of encouragement and instruction And that letter has impacted every generation through all ages since that time. And that's quite a magnificent fact just in itself. You know, I've got letters at home in the cabinet that's probably 60 years old, and they don't address any issues that are pertinent today. But here a man wrote a letter 2,000 years ago, and it addresses everything to us today. Paul's letters were like this. He usually titled them to who they were to, who they were addressed to, and this letter was addressed to us today. It just simply says, it's to the saints and to the faithful brethren in Christ. That's every one of us here who have named His name. And then he goes on to greet us, and he said uh, he greeted us in, with grace and with peace and God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then, he, and then he said he was thankful. I think that's pretty important. First thing he said in this letter after the greeting was that he was thankful both to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he said, I'll pray for you always. That's pretty important to think about that. Always praying for us. He said, I I know that you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and I've observed your love that you have one for another. You've heard the gospel of truth and your life bears fruit. You know the grace of God, and your hope's laid up in heaven. And then he added another prayer warrior to his team, and he said, uh, Brother Timothy and I are not going to cease praying for you. And he said, Our petition before the Father is this. We have a desire that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom, and spiritual understanding. The last time we shared here with a message, we shared a message about the source of wisdom. Where can wisdom be found? And you'll notice that in this brief introduction in this letter of Paul to the church at Colossae, Paul's petition before God was to be wise in the knowledge of God's will and to be wise in spiritual understanding. So a lesson we'd like to talk about today is found in a text in the fourth chapter of Proverbs There are just two words in one of those verses that says, get wisdom, and then it's followed by another verse, and it says words like this, wisdom is the principal thing, get wisdom. The principal thing means something that is utmost importance, a fundamental and foundational truth upon which other virtues are based and developed. I want to entitle the message this morning, How is Wisdom Obtained? You start reading the book of Proverbs and you don't read very far, even in the first chapter, till you get this message. Wisdom crieth to be possessed. And then a couple of chapters later, it's followed by happy is the man that findeth wisdom. How is wisdom obtained? You know, a few years ago, I, uh, Shirley and I attended a outdoor survival education course. And we were just there as, as observers. But an instructor there had about 30, 35 students that he was teaching. And he, through one of the sessions of his teaching, divided these 30, 35 students into about a half a dozen teams, five or six on a team. And they were given maybe about a half a dozen raw ingredients to make a meal with they were given a flint and a striker and they were told to go into the woods and get fuel and to get some tinder to start their fire and to cook a meal out of those ingredients in 20 minutes or less And, you know, it was a kind of a comical sight, especially as they tried to start fire. They'd get their flint down there and their striker, and they'd try to get that tender going, and they they just couldn't hardly do it. And finally, one of them looked up to the instructor, and he said, uh, Could you help us? He said, I sure could. And he just took out a butane lighter with shoots of fire out there and started it. And he said, all you had to do was ask. All you had to do was ask. Wisdom is promised by asking. Brother Clem just read that to us last Sunday morning. I think I'll read it again. It's in James. I'm just going to read one verse. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Just ask. How many times do we try to do it ourselves and go on our own? You know, it'd be wise for us just to stop And reflect a little bit and ask the Master. I'd like for you to turn in your Bible to the words of Jesus in Sermon on the Mount. Seventh chapter of Matthew. And we'll read just a few verses here together as Jesus teaches us. Matthew 7, we're going to start in verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it will be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, would he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Wisdom is promised by asking. But there is a condition to the asking. If You read the next couple verses in James, first chapter. It says, he is to ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea with the wind and is tossed. Let not that man think that he'll receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So, ask in faith. I'd like to illustrate this with a, uh, an account in the Old Testament. You probably all know this, but uh, we're going to recount it a little bit anyway. You will remember that Solomon went to offer sacrifice at Gibeon. And while he was there, the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and he said to him, He said, Ask what I shall give unto thee. And Solomon had a conversation with the Lord in his dream. He said, Well, my father David was king. He said, He walked before you in uprightness of heart and righteousness, and so on. And he said, You have shown a great mercy to him, and you've shown kindness to him now in giving him a son that will be able to sit on his throne. But he said, I don't feel like a king. He said, in fact, I feel like just a small child. I don't even know how to come and go. And he said, here there are a multitude of people, more than I can count and more than, than can be numbered, and I'm supposed to be able to have wisdom and judgment and discernment among these people. And I don't have it by myself. So he said, What I would like to have, if you will give me whatever I want, is a wise and upright heart, a heart that has discernment to judge among your people. And his request pleased the Lord. He said, uh, well, you didn't ask for a long life for yourself, and you didn't ask for lots of riches. And he said, you didn't ask for the life of your enemies either. So he said, I'm going to give you what you asked for, a wise and understanding heart. And he said, I'm going to give you riches and honor as well. And he said, if you will follow me in uprightness of heart, and we're putting this in our own words, but he said, if you'll follow me in uprightness of heart all the rest of your life, he said, I'll give you long, long life as well. Well, it wasn't very long at all until, <clears throat> until uh, Solomon's wisdom was tested. You remember story? the story, the two harlots that both had children, small babies, and one of them laid over the top of her baby at night and suffocated it. And so they brought just the one live baby before King Solomon and they both claimed it as their own. And he said, well, that'll be pretty easy to solve. He said, we'll just take a sword and cut it right down in half and give half of it to each of you. Of course, the mother didn't want that at all. She yearned in her heart for that child. And so Solomon gave the child to the rightful mother ask. Wisdom is promised by asking. However, it's not a one-time thing. We don't just ask for wisdom and then we got wisdom all the rest of our life. Let's relate another story. Joshua came into the promised land and he had all of the children of Israel with him and he met up With a stronghold, the city of Jericho had walls around it. The Lord told him, He said, if you'll just march around that city six days, one time each day for six days, and uh, don't make a sound. He said, don't tell it, don't let any of the people shout. He said, "Uh, in fact, they're not to speak and no noise come out of their mouth. But he said, now on. The seventh day, he said, you go out there and uh, you send the priest ahead with the ram's horns trumpets like you did before. And he said, whenever you went around there seven times, and the ark of the Lord was, was with them as well. He said, you blow, have the priest blow the trumpets and then all of the people shout. And so Joshua did like the Lord commanded him. And the walls came down, and they went in there and utterly destroyed all the people except for Rahab and her household. Well, that worked out pretty well. So the next little town they come to is just a little thing, just Ai. Didn't there's only just a few people there, and uh, they counseled together and said, "Well, there's no use for us to go out there with a whole bunch of men. Three thousand men would be a plenty to take that city." So that's what they did. They went out there. 3,000 men, and they were ambushed and defeated. What was the problem? They didn't ask the Lord. Ask. How is wisdom obtained? That chapter that Brother Zach read to us, in the last verse... It says that wisdom is obtained, it is possessed by fearing the Lord. Wisdom is possessed by fearing the Lord. It's recorded several places through the word like that, just about the same words in Proverbs. And then Job just says the fear of the Lord is wisdom. The reason for the loss of integrity and foolish, immature behavior of men is that they no longer fear God, and that brings chaos in life. Losing the fear of God brings foolishness, not wisdom. It is very destructive. I want to think of another letter that Paul wrote, this one to the Romans. He said that there were men who professed to be wise, but they became fools. They were ungodly and unrighteous, and they held the truth in unrighteousness. I want to think about that for just a moment. You know, last Saturday afternoon, we had the subject before us, a love for the truth. And Paul addresses these men as those who held the truth in unrighteousness. And he said the result of that was God's wrath. I listened to a news account probably, oh, a month or six weeks ago. Just on in the morning on the way to work and just caught... Part of it, but it said in in Montgomery County, at that time anyway, there had been 25 COVID deaths. And you know, that caused great alarm, and extreme measures were taken, and there were a lot of restrictions set in place. And then the newscaster said, In the next sentence, he said, during the same length and period of time as the 25 COVID deaths, there were 900 abortions in Montgomery County. 900 murders accepted by society. Something to clear upside down with man's thinking. You know, I've wondered, how is it that God can continue to spare His wrath and stay it? I guess it's probably not a new thought. If we read back in the prophet Isaiah, he wrote words like this. He said, Woe unto them that call good evil and evil good that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. You know, just as a side note, I would like for you to look through the Bible and look up all of the values you can find there in the word that the fear of God brings to you and be wise. How shall wisdom be obtained? Wisdom is perceived by observation. Not only is it promised by asking, is it possessed by fearing God, but it is perceived by observation going to go back to the book of Proverbs. I think it's maybe in about six chapter or so there. The writer says, go to the ant and be wise. So we're going to turn in our Bibles, if you will, to the 30th chapter of Proverbs. Proverbs 30, Verse 24, wisdom is perceived by observation. There, are, there be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in summer. Let's just think about that. What do you get out of that verse? Probably there are a lot of things, but ants are wise to prepare. You know, God spent centuries with the prophets proclaiming messianic prophecies to prepare the people for Jesus. John the Baptist preached for a while to prepare the people for the message of Jesus. As those who come after, we should prepare in wisdom to witness for God's kingdom. The ants, wise to prepare. Let's go to the next verse. The conies are but a feeble folk Yet, make they their houses among the rocks. The conies are wise to be protected from evil. Thought about this this morning as Brother Cody talked to us. Are you protected from evil? Is the Lord your strong tower? Is your life hid with Christ in God? Are you protected by the blood? Have you been anointed by the Holy Spirit? Are you wise to be protected from evil? Verse 27. The locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them by bands. The locusts are wise to be in community. You know, I uh, watched a little film on cultures the other day, and there were African men who went out fishing, and they fished in pools with wet rocks among the pools that were just a few feet, from where the water cascaded several hundred feet down over a falls into the canyon. And one of the important features in that little clip was that none of them went out there by themselves. They all went out as a team. They went out in community. They needed their brother for protection. I don't see any place in the Bible where it really encourages individualism. The Bible is about community. It's about one another. You know, last weekend we couldn't even have had a communion without community. Are we wise to be in community? Verse 28, The spider taketh hold with her hands as and is in king's palaces. The spider is wise to stay focused. Don't be distracted. Several years ago, we were more in connection than we are now with a family that would have been about our age. They had two sons about the same age as our two boys. They liked, this family especially, liked baseball. And so as they played and trained for baseball, their dad played with them. And one day, the older son was trying his hand at pitching and uh, he decided that he would uh, wind up and burn a fastball to his dad and he did that and for some reason right during that time his dad's attention got diverted for just a moment and he lost all of his front teeth and you know that's maybe. It's not real humorous, but that's, that's a true event. But that's just a natural thing. But you know, if I'm distracted spiritually, it'll be an eternal thing. Don't be distracted. The man lost all of his front teeth just because his attention was diverted for a moment. I would be wise to stay focused. How is wisdom obtained? Wisdom is also obtained by taking the word into my heart. And I didn't get to talk about that the other time. That is a source of wisdom, the word. We'll just read a few verses together from uh, Paul's letter to Timothy. Second book that he wrote him third chapter has words in it like this from the 15th verse. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, unto all good works. The scripture, the word, Is able to make us wise unto salvation. And Paul addressed Timothy as knowing this from a child. And that word from a child comes from the same word that means infant. I'd like to encourage us that it's never too early to start teaching the Word of God. You know, I think here in a few weeks, we're planning to have a prayer time here in a service where we'll pray over people so that the Lord will empower them to be wise as they live life and instruct their families. You know, I'd like for you to... uh, not just wait till that's a public time. I'd like to exercise this in your families, and especially we didn't we didn't have this training when we had children, but we practiced this with our grandchildren. When the baby is still in the womb, lay your hands on there and pray for them. seen firsthand it have quite a tremendous effect. It's never too early to take the word into our hearts. The word is a source of wisdom pray through it. Wisdom by faith to fear and to follow God. if I'm not continually asking, Fearing and following God, my faith will waver, my wisdom will grow dull, and I will lose my alertness. Well, I want to go back to Solomon for a moment. Maybe I'll turn back there and get the verses I want. This is what the Lord told Solomon. I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, and this is what I want, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall arise any likened to thee. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. But you know what? Solomon did not surrender his all to God. If I don't give every area of my life to the lordship of Christ, I will start struggle to apply wisdom in my life. Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter, brought her into the city of David, until he had made an end to the building of his house, and the house of the Lord, and the wall of Jerusalem round about. So Solomon ignored God's plan for Israel, and he made alliance with Egypt you know, there are probably some areas in my life that I kind of like to cozy up to that I really know I shouldn't. I was going to elaborate on that a little bit, but I don't think I will do that. I'll let you do the thinking. You know, Solomon's seemingly small crack in his lack of wisdom grew into a great chasm. Have I really given my all to God to let him teach me? But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites and the Amorites, the Edomites, Zedinites, and the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after other gods, Solomon clave into these loves. And he had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. And likewise... He, for all his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods and the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the God of Israel idolatry is not wisdom ask, seek knock in faith and believe and know that God wants to impart his wisdom to you We didn't talk much about seeking. Read the 15th chapter of St. Luke. You find the lost sheep, the lost coin, lost son. You know, the son came home. There's a slight possibility that the sheep might have been able to return, but the coin had to be sought for. Seek wisdom. Study the word and be wise. How is wisdom obtained? It's promised by asking in faith, it is possessed by fearing God, it is perceived by observation, and it is obtained by taking the Word into my heart. I haven't talked about the value of wisdom or the practical life application of it, but I'd like for you to think about those things. What we've shared with you today, we've shared mainly because it's a struggle in our own lives. I've found that's usually the way the Lord speaks. Through me is when he speaks to my heart about my own struggles. So blessings in your coming week as the Lord imparts his wisdom unto you. Bless his name.